listening to the best of the Martha Zoller Show. To hear the full show each day, tune in to AM550 and FM102.9 WDUN or log in to accesswdun.com and click the Listen Live button from 9 to 11, Monday through Friday. Any changes of protocol, how we move forward, that's something uh, for them to deal with as they handle the security, uh, certainly of this campus um, and of the White House more broadly. Uh, look, we believe that uh, um, you know the Secret Service did a thorough investigation. It is the Martha Zoller Show. Yeah, it was like a drug drop-off. You know, you go into the White House, you put your baggie in the cubby, you get the key, you pass the key to someone else. Then they come and get it out of the cubby. They just didn't get out of the cubby fast enough. Anyway, I don't know. I know as much about it as anybody else does. Uh, it is the Martha Zoller Show. You can join us on the phones. I bought a $15 ticket for the Powerball for yesterday, and I won $16. So, hey, pretty good. I, I went and bought another ticket today with the $16, so we'll see how it goes. Listen, I had uh, Gabriel Sterling on yesterday, and... Gabriel Sterling is choosing Gabriel Sterling to be on is not choosing a side in this discussion. Choosing Gabriel Sterling is having the person on that is implementing the systems that we're talking about. Having the person on that works for the state of Georgia that is going to implement all the things and has to know the law and has to implement the law. Okay, so yesterday the Georgia Supreme Court voted unanimously uh, not to um, remove Fonnie Willis from the Trump case. And, uh, you know, I'm getting these messages of, you know, I, you know, I'm not even going to tell you where they came from, but I'm getting these messages from people saying things like, uh, you know, the ball is in your court. We are not going away. Our case was just denied by the Georgia Supreme Court. Secretary of State holds sovereign immunity, which is horrible. Uh, look, if you're in a place where every court is against you, every agency is against you, everything is against you, then you're in a dark place, you know, and I can't help you. I can't help you with the best discussion in the world. I cannot help you with anything else. Now, I did have someone send me a whole bunch of information that I will review for the 15,000th time that's going to prove in their mind that there was voter suppression or that the election was rigged or whatever it is. But let me just tell you something. If you want Donald Trump to win in 2024, you have got to rid yourself of this idea that he lost in 2020. He has got to stop bringing it up. He said himself, he said himself, if I want to get some of these voters back, I've got to change my attitude, but I just can't do it. I'm paraphrasing him. But the bottom line is, he lost the election. You may not think he lost the election. You might think it was rigged. You might think it was. But if you believe in the Constitution of the United States, he lost the election. Someone else was sworn in. The Electoral College was certified. And if you're going to fight at every step of the way and say all of that was rigged, you know, then you need to run for office, which this person tells me that he's going to, although his uh, Twitter feed says he lives in Florida. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I just find it so interesting to me that you get yourself so whipped up 
if you don't like the people that are in office, then run against them. And if you can't win, which, hey, I'm speaking as a person who's lost an election, you have to accept what happened and move on and find the place where you can work. But just stomping your feet and saying everybody's lying but you, everybody's lying but the people, but you and the people that agree with you, you're just not going to get anywhere. Okay, and if... And and President Trump doesn't care what I think, okay? I'm sure someone along the way has told him I was a never-Trumper, which is nothing farther from the truth. I voted for him twice, and I've given him money, okay? Um, I am the kind of person he should be listening to because I live in the real world with real people that I get in contact with every day that have, wait for it, different points of view about things. And if he wants to win... And I think he wants to win because he hates to lose. Okay. Um, He has got to understand that these folks that are still with him are going to be with him no matter what. And that's about 35% of the Republican electorate, not the primary electorate. That 50% number is the primary electorate. Okay. Not as many people go out to primaries than go out to general elections. Okay. So about... 50% 50% of the primary voters are with Trump. about, And that's all he needs to get nominated. And I fully expect he may get nominated. But again, a lot of time is going to pass. But of the general electorate, which is who's going to vote in the general election, he's got about 35%. You can't win with 35% unless there's a strong third-party contention, which there could be with this no-labels thing. But if he wants to get to a level where he can win enough electoral votes, popular vote does not win elections in America, it is the electoral college, then he has got to understand that these folks that are with him are going to be with him no matter what. And and you don't want to hear this, but he doesn't really have to kowtow to you right now because he's got you no matter what. You're going to vote for him no matter what. Something big has got to happen for you not to vote for him. The way he wins is to get people that aren't planning to vote for him to vote for him. This is just basic math, folks. This has nothing to do with the Constitution. This has nothing to do with anything else. This is basic math. And you know what? This this person who I've been exchanging text messages with today... You know, thinking, you know, he's saying that I hide and deny. I'm not a journalist. I'm just spreading misinformation. He was all doing this before eight o'clock in the morning this morning. Okay. Um, you know, then she says, well, and then he says, well, then have Marilyn Meeks on your marks on your show. Fine. She wants to be on my show. She can send me a pitch like 5,000 other people a week do. Okay. I'm open to anybody. All right. But I'm not. A journalist. I have journalistic training and I try to apply journalistic values to the data that I put up there out there. But I'm a radio talk show host. And if you think harassing me in the morning, which is really what this is, this is harassment. After I've asked someone to say, because look, I've said for many years, my cell phone number has been out there for 30 years. And really, with the exception of this instance, uh, I I never get people to give me a hard time over text message. They always go through the proper channels and they email me or they email Logan or whatever it is. And I have no problem with that. 
But after I've already told this this gentleman to go through my email, do this, here's my email, I'll be happy to do anything, he stopped texting about, um, let's see, about 10 after 8. So I'll give him credit for that. Okay? But, you know, threatening me or the kinds of things they put on Twitter because Twitter's not real. Okay? Threads isn't real. Facebook isn't real. None of that stuff is real. If it was real, there would be different people in office. Okay, then there are voters. Most voters don't follow this every day. Most voters are not getting on text messages before eight o'clock in the morning and threatening people who they don't agree with. Now, I can take it. I can take it. I've been disagreed with for a very long time. Okay, but I got to tell you, I had many more people thank me for the interview with Gabriel Sterling yesterday because they were able to ask their questions than the people that have criticized me about it. And I don't really care if people criticize me. I'll be honest with you. But I'm pointing out that there is this bullying attitude that is going on out there. And this happens to be someone that I think is on the right, but the left does it too. Okay, Misha Maynard's dealing with it right now too, where people are calling her horrible names over text message and over uh, social media because they don't have the guts to call somebody up on the phone. I'm here for two hours a day where you can call me up on the phone anytime you want to. I am in the office. Most people have my cell phone number, and I don't mind if you call me up. Just don't harass me. Let's have a conversation, okay? Because I don't agree that the election was stolen. I have looked at the data. I have examined the data. And I had a benefit that a lot of people didn't have in 2020, Because I was completely unplugged for about six weeks because I was very ill. That wasn't fun. But what it allowed me to happen, allowed to happen, was to me to do my research without a lot of noise and come to my own conclusions. And because this person, because I've come to a different conclusion than you have, doesn't make you good and me bad or me good and you bad. You are the one trying to paint it into this situation of somehow, if you disagree with me, you are trying to destroy the republic. That's just ridiculous. We need to get back to having conversations. And you know what? Don't start texting people before 8 o'clock in the morning. Okay, have a little boundaries around your life. You know, if you took a little time off, put your phone down, maybe put things, don't let this stuff eat at you day and night. You might be a happier person. It's where North Georgia comes to talk. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. Nick Ayers, I have known longer than I'd like to admit. He's still young, but I'm not. How are you, Nick? Martha, it's great to be with you. And uh, yeah, it's been a a pleasure to, to know you as long as we have going all the way back to 2002 when we were trying to when we had this crazy idea of electing the first republican governor in state history and most people thought it couldn't be done um but you never wavered and you were with sunny from the very beginning and uh, have enjoyed our friendship over the last two decades i also uh, you, you you made my morning with that lead in i mean listening to that ad from every life um i've listened to it a lot as you can imagine as the person who who uh who helped you know write it, and I, I founded the company with some great partners. 
But every time I hear that, it's a reminder of just what an extraordinary mission this is. And I love being a part of a company that is bigger than just uh, something that sells excellent products, but has an extraordinary mission of really celebrating and protecting every life. And and that's why we created it. And I, I really appreciate you having me on this morning to talk about it. And Every Life Diaper launched this week, uh, and it is really part of a trend that I'm seeing where there are people that are starting companies that are putting things out there and they are are being more transparent about where their profits are going and where they're giving and 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 people are being more aware of that. I think the average person just thought, oh, it's a big company in America. They're doing the right thing, right? And, That's right. And I think now we're questioning that. And I certainly am am changing the way I'm spending my dollars. I am looking at things. I haven't been able to move out of everything that I find questionable yet, That's but right. I'm in the process. Right. Yeah. You know, Martha, it's why, when I left the White House, I had this conviction that a political solution wasn't enough. Um, I've, I'd spent 20 years, as you know, uh, running gubernatorial campaigns and, and working on presidential campaigns. And if I thought just winning the next presidential election was enough to turn the country around. That's what I would be doing with my whole heart and with with my dollars right now. But voting every two to four years is no longer enough. The country is beyond that. And I really think what uh, people with mine and your values and convictions have to have the way we have to reorient our mind and millions of Americans are already doing so is is thinking about it as every day we are voting. Uh, who we swipe our credit card with, who we pay cash to, those companies stand for something. And either they stand with us and with the values that, that created the greatest country the world's ever known, or they don't stand with us. And we've seen companies like Anheuser-Busch and Disney and Target do things that are unconscionable, that, we, that, a, that a major company in this country would have never considered doing 10 or 20 years ago to pushing some of the radical agendas that they're pushing. And so my conviction was uh, we're beyond a political solution. We have to create companies at scale for people who have Judeo-Christian values, who love capitalism, American exceptionalism. And that's exactly why uh, I was an early investor in a company called Public Square, which has exploded. It's an app that, you know, your listeners can download it's exploded in the last year to over 1.1 million users and members of this community. It has over 55,000 businesses that affirm five values when they sign up that are all values that are, that are aligned with our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence and our Judeo-Christian values. And we've watched as this, this commerce app has been successfully connecting consumers looking for companies to do business with that align with their values. And uh, that's the journey I've been on uh, over the last couple of years. Those are the companies I'm trying to exclusively invest in. And the interesting thing about every life and the way it, it came about is the number one search on public square, Martha, uh, that yielded no results were moms looking for diapers that aligned with their values. And uh, and so Michael and I and, and a few others had the conversation that there is really this huge need out there for a company. You would think you would think diaper companies would be clawing over themselves to support pro-life causes. Right. I mean, it literally generates 
more customers customers from right, it. Right. But it's the opposite. All of these diaper companies that are household names to you know to your audience are are matching employee uh, contributions to Planned Parenthood. They're paying for their employees' travel to go have abortion. It's like the complete opposite of what you think diaper companies would do. So we had a very simple mission of we, we're going to create a diaper company that's an excellent product. I mean, that, that, that we, would, we would feel good about comparing our diaper to any other diaper on the market, but with a commitment that we will never donate to causes that destroy innocent life. And in fact, we're going to use our platform and some of our profit to support amazing crisis pregnant centers. Or uh, we're working on a partnership right now, Martha, with a, with a foundation that a lot of your listeners will probably be familiar with because it's based in Alpharetta, Faithbridge, uh, a businessman in, in Alpharetta had a deep conviction around um, early adoption and recruiting foster parents and training them um, through the, the Christian lens of what we're called to do. Uh, that's exactly, those are the kinds of things that, that this diaper company will support while running ads that when people see them on TV, they don't have to cover their kids' eyes. You know, I mean, how often are you watching TV with your with your family and you're proud of the advertising you see? And, well, uh, and so too, for all those reasons. Yeah. Well, and Nick, too, just yesterday, um, uh, the spokesman for the Pentagon was twisting himself all around on how uh, paying for for travel for abortions for service members and members of service members' families was somehow helpful to the mission of making right. our country safer. No, no question. I mean, and as as ironic or disappointing as that is, it's even more so for a diaper company yes. to be on that side. Yes. I mean, you, literally, you would think the easiest thing for a diaper company to get behind is the cause of life and the support of we want to welcome every baby into this world and consider them a, a gift from God. Because I, I really do. This is not just a, a great business opportunity. It has nothing to do with politics. Jamie and I have three kids that we thought we would never have, and it's the greatest outside of our faith. It's it's our greatest blessing in life. And and again, it's like you would think all diaper companies would have that conviction and that view, except they don't. And 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 yet your your listeners know that this is not just relegated to diaper companies. We're seeing it in adult beverages. We're seeing it in Disney movies. We're seeing it in retail stores like Target, where their agenda is radically different than about 100 million Americans who have a lot of purchasing power. And so when uh, if, if your listeners want to start voting every day with their values, they go to publicsq.com or download the Public Square app on the Apple Store. Um, they would join over a million people in this community that are linking what they need from a commerce perspective to businesses that will never support causes that are that are opposite of the you know their, their values or what's good for this country. So where can people buy Every Life Diaper? Yeah, everylife.com. And we ship them directly uh, to you, Martha. I would encourage everyone to look today. We have some exciting news on our pricing uh, coming out. Uh, but at everylife.com, you can... You know, you can purchase for yourself if you've got a newborn at home. You can purchase for your friends and family. 
Uh, or if you just want to support our cause, I really encourage everyone to, when they go to everylife.com, to read our mission. And in there, we were very clear and very transparent about what led us to create this company and the promises we're making to our community and our parents about our products and our values. That's all and, in there. And if you're led, go ahead. No, Nick, I think, too, to your point about it's more than just voting, you know, uh, and, and this is not related to a socially conservative issue. But if you look at what America has done with carbon emissions, okay, uh, you know, I get so tired of Republicans being painted as people that hate the environment because we don't. We're exactly the opposite of that. But if you look at uh, during the Trump years, they were not in the Paris Accords during that. But 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 we have less carbon emissions than we've had in 30 years. That's because customers and that's what we are. Customers told companies they cared about this issue and companies started working on it. It wasn't the government. And that's kind of what you're doing with every life. You're saying customers are the people that should be driving this and the customers want these kind of values. That's exactly right. And and uh, we we want to do it at every level while we're leading on diapers and we've developed our own product and our own company that we're really proud of. We want to create and did create a platform and an opportunity for the millions of Americans who, who feel exactly the way you just said, which is we are tired of giving our money to companies that want to destroy us, who literally despise Judeo-Christian values. They, uh, they denigrate nuclear families. Why, why are we continuing to give them our money? I had a, I had a, one of my first bosses in politics was the governor of Mississippi, and he had a great, great saying in situations like this. He would say, you know, this would be like sending scrap metal to Japan in the 1930s. We're pretty sure we're going to see it again, and we're not going to like the form it's in. And, and that's, that's really what, <clears throat> as Christians, as conservatives, that's our responsibility to determine who are we giving our hard-earned money to and what are they doing with that capital. And overwhelmingly, because the ESG and DEI and all of these woke initiatives, they're giving it to causes that do – it's an understatement to say that they do not line up with ours. They're destructive to the country. They're harmful to nuclear families. And it's destroying, in in my view, the innocence of childhood, of what they're pushing on our children. And then to boot, which is where every life comes in, they're literally donating money to organizations and causes that sole mission is to destroy innocent life. And it's just like we're, we're not – not only are we not going to be part of that, but boycotts aren't enough until we have options and not just – not just decent options, but excellent options. And that's what every life is. It is an excellent option. People are going to get the product. I think they're going to love it. And, and they're going to be even more excited about, you know, our values and the mission and, and the conviction behind this company and the causes that we're going to donate to. Everylife.com is the website. You can go there and order the product. But I downloaded Public Square very easily while Nick and I were on the phone because my husband and I have been having these conversations. Uh, and I'm pretty knowledgeable about who does what. But even somebody like me needs help in sorting through 
where the problems are and where we need to be directed to. So, Nick Ayers, so great to talk to you. Um, I hope I will see you soon, and we will get back together soon on the air. Yeah, Martha, I hope I see you soon, and thanks for having me on this morning. Putting the talk in news talk, it's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. Michael Levine joins me right now because he sent me this very interesting analysis that he did on people and marriages. And we've seen this decline in people getting married and an increase in age. And uh, I wanted to talk to him a little bit about that, because even though my children, they're 31 to 41, have all married, um, they're friends. They have a lot of friends that are getting married for the first time at 40 or 45. I had a friend of mine that got married for the first time at 55 just a couple of weeks ago. And so it's it's a very interesting phenomenon uh, that I think has an impact on the whole society. Michael, welcome. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. And thank you for sharing your valuable audience with me, Martha. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. So you analyzed some Census Bureau data and found out some really interesting things. I did. And look, it all can be placed under, in my opinion, under the category of societal delayed maturation. There is a delay in maturing. So today, a 22-year-old male or female uh, has, is chronologically 22, but emotionally 15, 15, 14, 16, because in large part of an over-parenting, a, um, I was nine years old, Martha, when I went on the New York City subway for the first time alone. Now, can you imagine a parent allowing a child of nine, and and many nine-year-olds went on the subway alone. I walked to school. Many people walked to school. Today, if, if, if it's more than two blocks, a parent drives them. So, there is a process underway in our society of delayed maturation and this has all kinds of consequences many of them very bad and uh, so there we are and marriage is the one that I selected to talk about today and and how people are waiting now of course if you first getting married at 40 you have whether you know it or not in large part limited your option as options as it relates children yeah i mean you can't have as many children i have a friend of mine that got married at about 40 39 or 40 and he married another perfect two professionals they got married for the first time she had actually um you know this is one of those 21st century things she had harvested her eggs several years ago when she yep. didn't get married yep. in her 30s and they've had yep. two children but they're going to be they're, they were 42, and now he's 45 for the second one. So there go. they're going to be 70 before they get out of high school. That is accurate. That is accurate. And it apparently did not fully occur to them in their early 20s, early 30s. So there we are. It is a part, I believe, it's interconnected, umbilically tied 
to a general delaying of maturation. Um, And this has consequences for a society. Many of them not good. I'm sure you were similar in that, kind of in my home, if you weren't in college, you were out living on your own at 18. Absolutely. If you you, had finished high school and you weren't in college, you were expected to find your own place to live. Of course, and I, I wish I could describe to you, I'm not as articulate as that's like, <laughs> I wish I could describe to you the look on my parents' face if I had ever said to them at age 22, you know, Mom, Dad, I, I'm kind of thinking that maybe I'm going to come live home for a while. I mean, they would have looked at me. In the 60s, in the early 70s, that would have been regarded as bizarre. And yet today, we see 26, 27-year-olds you know, routinely living at home with their parents, having their laundry done for them, having their food meals made for them. Uh, many 26-year-olds have their phones paid for by their parents. And so in... In, in human development, necessity plays a role, doesn't it? You don't always like to do certain things, but when you're forced uh, by necessity to do them, you, ha- you often have no choice but to step up. And that is in some part what I think is missing today and, and an explanation for a lot of uh, other issues, societal issues that have tangential relationships to this delaying of well, I think maturation. And there's also a combination of things. There, is, there are parents that feel guilty either because they got divorced and so they feel like they have to nurture their children in yep. a different way. That's right. There's parents yep. that feel guilty because they worked all the time. And, and, you know, maybe they feel guilty that their child is not ready to launch, like they like to say. And, and there is a lot of guilt in the world. And it all is fed by this thing we hold in our hands, this phone that we hold in our hands that has yeah. all the perfect lives of everybody else that we see all day, every day. And then we think we've got to figure out a way to manufacture that for ourselves. In the old days, you would do that. very well stated. Well, in the old days, you would do that in real world. You would do that with work. You would look at that and you would say, okay, I need to work harder to get there. Now it's like, okay, let's protect you more so that you can get there. That is right. If you had ever walked into my father's office on a weekday and said to him, Mr. Levine, your son is going to be practicing baseball today at about 3.30 after school. Would you like to leave work a little bit early and come and watch him practice? He would have looked at you like you were out of a mental asylum. Leave work early? For what? And yet today, if you go at 3.30 in the afternoon to baseball practice, every single father will be on the sideline with their cell phone watching. It's become part of the the culture, and I think it explains a lot. Uh, uh, Some of our problems, uh, I I, I don't know. It's 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 a curious thing. But this marriage is... Marrying later, much later, and or not marrying at all. I think the statistic I had is 6% are not marrying at all. More people living single lives. I think 30% of all Americans today live in a home with no one else. 
literally no one else. Now, that means that they have elevated very often the importance of pets in their lives. They routinely refer to their pets as their children. This is, uh, these are some things that need some rather uh, uh, concentrated uh, consideration. Yeah, it's funny because I have a, my goddaughter lives in New York and has been very successful up there. She's going to turn 30 this year. And um, she's, she is dating someone very seriously. And interestingly enough, you know, like I'm, I'm old school. Okay. But her next Mm -hmm. step is that they move in together. Not, you know, and what I think is interesting is that you have adults that will buy homes together. They will do, they'll have a dog together. But they yep. don't want to make that commitment to getting married. Yep. And to me, it That's goes right. the other way around. And don't even think about it. I ask uh, men and women all the time, young people in their late 20s, early 30s, do you want to get married someday? Not necessarily to any one particular person, just as a concept. Do you want to get married today? And very frequently, the answer I'm given is, I don't know. I really haven't thought about it. (laughs) Now, that's a kind of curious answer at age 30, isn't it? I don't know. I've never really thought about it. A lot of people move in with each other because why not share the rent? Yes. Now, easy in, hard out. You've heard that phrase, right? It's an easy in, but it's a tough out. And a lot of broken hearts uh, are are created. A lot of cynical broken hearts are created on that out. So, you know, it's funny. The anyways, very the the very funny uh, Sam Kennison who passed away many years ago. Yeah. I have a yep. there's a bit he did which I can't. I have to paraphrase because we're on radio. Yeah. But he was talking yep. about splitting the records up. You know, after yeah. after when you yes. when have to leave. <laughs> yes. 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 But, you know, these things that we're speaking of don't necessarily take on the initial appearance of World War II or III or, you know, the Ukraine war or something of that, uh, the uh, opioid epidemic. But they're very serious societal considerations. And parents have to grapple with how they have perpetuated a generation that is, frankly, uh, immature and delaying maturation. Michael Levine, you can go, uh, what's your website, michaellevine.com? No, you go to boundlessmediausa.com. It's local radio, and that's why you're listening. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. It's always great to talk to our next guest, Senator John Ossoff. Welcome to the program. Martha, good morning. How's the family doing? Everybody's doing great. It's the dog days of summer, so, you know, we're spending a lot of time swimming and having fun. It's a great time. How about you? All good. Uh, I always give you the baby Eva update. 19 months now and uh, healthy, thank God, starting to string words together. And when I come back after a few days in Washington, it's like a whole new baby. They're just developing so fast at this age. Is she swimming yet? We're getting there. I wouldn't say she's swimming, but she's she's spending a little time in a pool. Yeah. Have you been doing the baby swimming lessons, that whole thing? 
We haven't embarked upon that journey yet, but we have a neighbor a few doors down who has a pool, and we've taken her a few times to let her bob around a bit. Well, you're going to have some fun in that arena, that's for sure. Listen, we wanted to talk to you about a couple of things today that have uh, your office has announced. And, of course, the, the thing I hear about most when I either talk to law enforcement or I talk to parents or I'm out at church or wherever it is, is, is it eventually comes up in the conversation about the problems with fentanyl. And uh, we've, we crossed over the 100,000 mark last year of people that died from fentanyl overdoses. I like to call it fentanyl poisonings. I mean, that's really what it is. Uh, we could cross 120,000 this year. That's, you know, tw- over twice what we lose in highway accidents. It's over twice what we lose in gun violence. I mean, it is a tragedy that is unfolding right now. What are we doing to try to stem this tide? It, it is a tragedy. It is a crisis. I know it has families across Georgia and the country uh, rightly alarmed and fearful. I've just introduced legislation called the Fentanyl Trafficking Prevention Act, and this gets at this very serious issue of how drug traffickers are using social media uh, to market, sell, and distribute fentanyl and other synthetic opioids. And this is in particular, how a lot of adolescents and high school students are uh, getting exposed to this deadly drug. Often they think they're buying something else. They think they're buying uh, a prescription drug. It winds up being counterfeit and laced with fentanyl, and and then there's an overdose. Uh, The legislation would expose the social media companies themselves to criminal and civil penalties with very significant fines uh, if they facilitate the trafficking of fentanyl and other synthetic opioids on their platforms. And just to put this in perspective, the lethal dose of fentanyl is about two milligrams. So folks can imagine dividing a sugar packet into 500 parts. That's how little it takes for this stuff to kill. Social media companies are allowing their platforms to be hijacked by drug traffickers to target kids. It has to stop, and it'll only stop when they face serious criminal liability uh, for allowing it to continue. So I, I don't like to look back. I always like to look forward. But, you know, we this is a problem that goes hand in hand with the fact we're not securing our border. And... How can we, I know that doesn't relate to the legislation you've introduced on this particular issue, but how can we uncouple that and how can we, you know, look at this in a holistic way? So I would make three points. Uh, The first is that you are absolutely right. Uh, And when you look at the flow of fentanyl, whether it's powder or pills into the United States and how it is entering the country, the overwhelming majority of it is flowing through ports of entry. And so much of this has to do with the detection technology that's necessary to screen for it at points of entry. Uh, And from a border security standpoint, that's an urgent priority. That's why uh, just yesterday I helped to move through the Homeland Security Committee on a bipartisan basis legislation to significantly increase the number of Customs and Border Patrol agents who can conduct those screenings at our ports of entry. But the other big underlying factor here is the way that the precursor chemicals that are used to mix and formulate fentanyl are flowing from China into Mexico, where much of the production is ongoing. 
that requires an intelligence effort, an international law enforcement effort, a foreign policy effort. Uh, I uh, was was briefed just yesterday on uh, the progress that's being made in some dimensions and the serious challenges in others in terms of getting cooperation uh, from the foreign governments who need to be uh, empowering our law enforcement efforts to interdict and stop this stuff before it gets into our country. Well, I I wish you the best of luck there. And it, it really, we have got to get a handle on the security of our border. You and I have talked about this a number of times. I know you're on board on that. Um, you also partnered with Senator Rubio about agriculture technology. And, of course, that's the number one business in Georgia. Uh, so tell us about that. Senator Rubino and I are working on a bill to strengthen research and development of uh, what growers who are tuned in will will know when I refer to as precision agriculture, uh, and I'm I'm working to establish myself as the leader on precision agriculture in the Senate. This means the use of technology, uh, sensors that can detect, for example, moisture level levels in soil, overhead sensors that can detect where there may be uh, disease or pest infestation, software that allows the uh, optimal application of chemicals and water to reduce costs, as well as technology that allows uh, growers to automate more processes on their farms, all aimed at doing three things. First of all, reducing input costs for growers, which reduces the price of food for consumers in America and puts Georgia's agricultural industry on a sounder financial footing, uh, reducing the cost of the uh, uh, water and chemicals that they have to apply because they have better data about where and how to do it. Also improving the yields and the quality of the crops that our amazing growers here in Georgia are working to produce every year. This is something I'm working on hand-in-hand with Georgia growers uh, and working to bring Republicans and Democrats in the Senate together to advance some legislation that will boost this technology and make it more cost-effective for small and medium-sized farmers to purchase it and deploy it. You're on the Judiciary Committee, Banking, Homeland Security, and for me, when I observe committee hearings, to me it looks like alternate universes where the goal often does not seem to be to get to the bottom of anything. The goal seems to be to make political points, whichever side you're on. And it doesn't matter which hearing I watch, but there's a lot of it in the Judiciary Committee, with all due respect, where there just seems to be this alternate universe. Does it feel that way to you also? Because you're fairly new to this process. Or do you think I'm totally wrong about this? You're you're totally right about this. Uh, And sometimes it feels like watching uh, an accident in slow motion. Uh, And sometimes it can be tough to tell whether folks are acting in good faith and earnestly misunderstand each other. Uh, or are just willfully showboating and engaging in theater, as uh, politicians often are. But my, my approach to the job is to try to steer clear of uh, the bickering for show, which maybe appeals to the most active and loudest voices on the extreme on either side, but I think really alienates and disgusts the overwhelming majority of Americans who are somewhere in the middle and increasingly identify as politically independent. You know, I am um, um, one more question because I know we have limited time here, but I, I wrote a column a couple of months ago about what 
what to do to fix the Senate. And one of the things was, uh, you know, that I think caucuses, the caucus within the Senate has too much strength and uh, that there's too many times that it appears that there's pressure put on the caucus members to to go a certain way. And um, I, you know, do you I just and you may not be able to answer this question, but does their leadership does leadership come to you before a big a big committee hearing and say, we need you to do this? Or are you able to function in a completely independent way? I always act independently in the best interest of the state. Uh, but I'm not sure that's the rule. That's what I think I was elected to do. And frankly, I think the fact that I represent a politically competitive state and I have to at all times be thinking about the diversity of views among my constituents empowers me to take that stand. But I think that as much as anything, it's not so much about pressure as it is about groupthink. And you mentioned the caucus system. And, you know, when both parties retreat to their private lunches every week and uh, repeat their own talking points to each other uh, and don't spend any time talking to their colleagues in the other party, um, these sort of alternate views of the world that are irreconcilable emerge, uh, and then it becomes more difficult to get things done. I think that Republicans and Democrats in Congress need to spend more time talking to each other to identify places where there is common ground and common interest. If we do not elevate the national interest over party interests in American politics, we're on the road to disaster. Polarization, division, political hatred are tearing this country apart. And when you look at the things that we need to accomplish together, whether it's upgrading our infrastructure or strengthening our national security or taking on the fentanyl crisis, these are things that should be uniting us rather than dividing us. Amen to that. Well, next spring, I'm bringing a group of listeners up to D.C. and we'll be working with your office about bringing them in to meet you uh and hopefully we'll be able to make that happen but we're going to keep fighting here senator ossoff for trying to get the message out and to to communicate with everybody and that's what we do here every day we appreciate you being with us today i appreciate the opportunity best wishes to you and the family to hear the full versions of last week's Martha Zoller shows, go to the podcast page at accesswdun.com and you can follow me on social media at Martha Zoller. 